Welcome to this new life podcast. It is our desire that you learn all of the benefits of the abundant life that you have in Jesus Christ, so you can live your life to its fullest. Listen and be encouraged. How many of you are happy to be in the house of God today? Amen. Wow, what a beautiful Sunday morning. Just like what uh, Sir Kiko said earlier, no better place on a Sunday than to be in the house of God, just receiving more from your Jesus. You know, as I get going to the Word, you know, our pastors have declared 2022, you know, to be a higher year. How many of you received that for yourself? Higher. You know, we were given a watchword this year. And, you know, I just want us not to be familiar with this word because we're going to be hearing this again and again and again throughout the year. Some of you might be thinking, you know, Pastor, para naman tayong sirang plaka. You know, like we keep repeating this again. Because you know why? By repetition, things get established. See, we don't get it sometimes at the first, at the second, or even at the third time. That's why we need to keep repeating it. And what's a watchword? A watchword is a constant reminder and point of contact for our faith for that which God has declared over our house, over this house. This year, you and I, we're going to come up higher. And everybody who agrees said, amen, amen. Amen. Well, God has put something in my heart today. And uh, along the lines of higher, I want to read my verses today. This is from Genesis 22. One, two, let's see, maybe 14. If you could read with me as well. You know, we probably have uh, those scriptures up there in a while. Genesis 22, 1 to 14 in the ESV. And let me read this. It says, after these things, God tested Abraham and said to him. Can somebody say tested? All right. How many of you love tests? All right. Thank you for your honesty. All right. Thank you, guys. Right? Like, I don't know about you. I don't really love tests. <laughs> Right? All right, God tested Abraham, especially math tests. Oh, my goodness. And said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah, Moriah, and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and son Isaac, Cut the wood for the burnt offering. He arose, went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. And I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering, laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went both of them together. And Isaac said to his father Abraham, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. He said, behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Father, in the name of Jesus, I just thank you for this morning. And I thank you, Lord God, that we can come boldly before your throne of grace, find mercy and grace and your word in time of need. God, right now I just pray and I ask for a hearing heart for each one. Even for myself, Lord, I just thank you that even as we share the word, we mull and and ponder on the word today, I thank you that you just add more to us. You give more straight from heaven's throne. So I thank you in this place today as we hear, I thank you rest abounds in your people. Jesus, I thank you in this place. You alone be exalted And your people be blessed. And everybody said, 
Amen, amen. How many of you know firsts can be memorable? Right? How many of you remember your first date? Yes, and all the young people kind of didn't want to respond. All right. How many of you know firsts can be memorable? Like whenever you have firsts in your life, it can seem like an adventure. Stepping into the unknown, like having uncertainties, your nerves are at an all-time high. But it's all part of firsts. Remember the first day of school? Remember your first job interview where before you got in and faced the employer, you were all shaking in your, in your boots, so to speak? Remember the first time that you got pregnant and gave birth? How about your first business that you're going to be starting? How about your first date? Maybe the first time to present to a client or simply maybe your first airplane ride. Or for most of us here in church, your first time to preach. When Sister Shadi tells you probably one hour before, all of a sudden surprises you, tells you, hey, I want you to preach in one hour. And it's your first time, right? How many of you know like being locked down for quite some time, going anywhere for the kids for the first time in months was quite the adventure? Some of you coming to church today was quite an adventure. Going on that out-of-town Tagaytay road trip with a wifey for the first time after being locked down for months was quite an adventure. I mean, if you know, adventures can challenge you to go beyond your limits or challenge you to break out of a prevailing norm and break in into a new normal. Adventures often are associated with a higher way of thinking to outperform the risks and overcome the dangers that come along with it. You know that same can be true for the first time in Scripture that God called man to literally come up higher on a mountain. Firsts in the Bible are significant. They're full of truths. They're full of lessons and full of God unveiling himself to his people. And we see that in the account of Abraham sacrificing Isaac in Genesis 22. Let me read once again our verse for today. Genesis 22 verse 1. It says, After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. One more time. Anybody here love tests? <laughs> Abraham was tested by God. Now, before we get going, I just want to lay a very clear foundation in this house. How many of you know that God doesn't test with sickness, with disease, and with calamity? All of those come to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus came to give us life and life more abundant. See, when God tests, you know, guys, especially young people, listen to this. This will save you a lot of headaches in the future, okay? When God tests, he does so by an invitation to obedience. That is how God tests. He tests by a solicitation to obedience. He, say, he says, come, follow me. He says, step out of the boat. Peter, come. Why is that? Because when, when you say yes to God... You say yes to life. 
How does he test man? How does God test man? He gives a word. Abraham, give up your son, Isaac. Go to Mount Moriah and sacrifice him there. Moses, set my people free. Disciples, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Why is that? Why is it like that? Because the test or invitation to obey is meant to reveal what's already in there. God won't invite you to a place where He hasn't already provided the grace. He won't invite you to obey if He first had not made a way. See, Abraham was called the father of many nations even before he even had Isaac. What is that meant? That's meant to show that's the kind of faith we ought to display. That even before things show up, we are already walking in what God had invited for us to step into. Even if it does not make sense, can you imagine Abraham being called father of many nations? And Abraham probably would, oh, nga pala, oh nga pala. Yeah, that, that's me, that's me, right? And, and you know, how many of you know that takes faith on his part to acknowledge Yep, that's what God has invited me to. That's what God has declared. I wonder, New Life, what has God declared over you that you are still resisting, that you are still pushing back because it seems like it doesn't make sense here. I want to ask you, what has God put in you that you are still struggling with? I want to tell you today, church, why don't you just let go, let God Give it to him and see him come through for you. In Moses was the call to be Israel's savior from Egypt. But didn't he have a hard time in the beginning? In each disciple was the potential to be part of the 12 that would turn the world right side up. The question was, were they going to say yes? Because there are wonders to be made when a word from God meets the yes of man. If you want to come up higher with God, your yeses to Him must never stop. What test slash invitation from God is in front of you right now? What word has He spoken? But more importantly... What wonders is he trying to draw out of you? In you, in somebody here is a budding entrepreneur who will make millions for the kingdom. In somebody here is a healing evangelist on the way. In somebody here is a government official who will stand for righteousness to exalt Jesus in this nation. In somebody here is a pastor who's already stepped into halfway. I wonder what invitation has God put in you and what is he trying to draw out of you? So God tested Abraham. You know, very interesting. I, I, love, I love the scripture. You know, the word test is the Hebrew word nasah, N-A-S-A-H, for those of you who are taking notes. N-A-S-A-H, nasah, all right? That's the Hebrew word for test. But it's the same Hebrew word for the word adventure. 
What does that tell you? You know, this is the first time in Scripture that God is inviting man to come up a mountain with him, and it's a test. Every invitation from God to come up higher is an adventure waiting to unfold. So this first invitation of God to come up a mountain was a test, but it was also an adventure in the making. See, adventures are defined as an exciting and remarkable undertaking, usually involving risk or danger. Wow. So I get it. I get it. It gets nerve-wracking, nakakakaba. But remember, in the middle of that invitation, remember who the invitation is from. Now, another interesting thing. You know the word test in the New Testament. How many of you know the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed? Pastor Paul would always say this again and again. And the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. Now, the word test in the New Testament is the same word for the word approved. It's the word domikazo, dokimazo. Okay, dokimazo. For those of you who are taking notes, all right. Which reveals to us that the reason we are being tested and invited to follow and obey a word from God is because we are already approved. How many of you love weddings? I, I don't know about you. I love weddings. Anybody here getting married this year? Right? For, for those of you who are planning for weddings, you know that one of the most difficult things in a wedding is to come up with a guest list. Anybody who's been married know that you probably started out with, let's say, 300 people, cut down to 250, cut down to 200, cut down to 175, cut down to 150. You were all set with 150, the pandemic happened, 150 slashed down all the way to 25. In weddings, before invites are sent out, the guest list has to be already approved. Each person invited is approved. In the same way, when God tests you with a word of invitation to come up higher, daunting, nerve-wracking, or crazy as it may be, remember it's because you have been approved. You can come up higher because you are approved of God. That's why our pastors would always say, that's why it's so important for us to remember who we are so that in the journey and in the adventure, we never lose sight of our identity. You see, true progress is you staying to who God says you are because a lot of people can get to the destination, but they're already different from who God says they are. How many of you know true progress is without compromise? That's why true process or true progress involves the process. That's why this year, the heights that we go with God is directly connected to the depths of our understanding, our identity. So I want to ask one more time, how many of you are ready for an adventure this year? You see, when you go 
with God on an adventure, you know what he's going to do? He's simply going to solidify who you are. Everything that God does is to reinforce who his son is in your life and to remind you of who you truly are. So let's go back to the story, Genesis 22, verse 1 to 2. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. Verse 2, he said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So God tells him to go to the land of Moriah. And Moriah comes from two words put together which just simply means seen of God. That God sees you. You see, every invitation to come up higher is for you to know you are the seen of God. God sees me. Think about the journey of Abraham because the Bible says that when God invited him to come to this land called Moriah to go up that mountain, it was a three-day walk. I don't know about you, that's a lot of time to think about. That's a lot of time to go back on your decision. Of course, there would be opportunity for doubt, for discouragement. You know, his destination, now where was he going? Anybody remember? Anybody remember where Abraham was going? He was going to Moriah. Moriah, Moriah, however you want to pronounce that, right? That was his destination. His destination was meant to remind him that he was not alone, that God sees him. Moriah, God sees me. As you come up higher and say yes and yes and yes to God, may you be reminded that God sees you. You see, the higher you go, the higher you go with God, the more that you ought to know that God sees you. Can I just once again, I know I always say this in my preachings, but I mean it all the time. Can I just be real with you today? Let's have a little bit of family real talk. You see, so often, so often, I don't say everybody, but sometimes, right? So often the Christian gets so fixated in wanting to see God and only then would he be at peace. What do you mean, Pastor Mon? Like sometimes we get so focused so much on wanting to see the answers and manifestations of God in our lives as if that's the only time God is true and real. Can I encourage you today to take on a higher way of living? The higher way of the Christian walk is living in the daily reality that even if it seems that I don't see him, I know and I trust that he sees me. So many times in Scripture, God had been trying to convince man, you think that you're alone? No, you're not alone. Remember that servant in the Old Testament, I think if I remember right, if that's Elisha or Elijah, he says, Master, we are surrounded on all sides. I'm not sure we're going to get out of this alive. And the, the prophet declares over him, oh, God, can you open his eyes? And when, he, when God opened his eyes, all around him, the hills were so full with the armies of God. All throughout Scripture, God had been trying to convince man that you are not alone. I am right there with you. I'm not going to sing. All right. Those who laughed shows your age. All right. 
You see that even in the New Testament. You know, when, when Jesus was up on a mountain in Mark 6, verse 45, it says there that immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. Where was God? Where was Jesus? He was up on the mountain. That's where he was. And when evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and he was alone on the land. And the verse 48 says, And he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them. Can I just break this down a little bit for you? It says there that Jesus went up the mountain... And in the middle of the night, as the boat went out, after he had prayed, I don't know, probably an hour or two hours, out in the middle of the sea, he saw the disciples straining, rowing at the middle of the night. It says it was the fourth watch. What is fourth watch? That's around 3 a.m., my friends. And what does a 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. window usually represent? It's supposed to represent the darkest time. It's a time when everybody is supposed to be asleep. But let me remind you, you know, if, if you look at this story, it says they were straining because the wind was against them. In fact, in another version or in, an, in another place, I think it's in Matthew if I'm not mistaken, it says that there was a great windstorm. They were having a hard time. Can you imagine if the boat capsized, nobody would be there to rescue them? It was the fourth watch of the night. Oh, but that need not to be their worry. You know why? Because even in the darkest time, when everybody seemed to be asleep, Jesus sees them. He may be up on the mountain, but I see you. You may be in the middle of a windstorm, Darkest time of the day. I see you. I want to ask you, new life, what are you in the middle of? God sees you. You may be probably six, seven figures in debt in your company. Your business might be floundering. You may be in the middle of contending for your healing. You might be praying to God for, restora for, for restoration of relationships. What are you believing for? I want to tell you today, God sees you what is the fourth watch that you might be in moriah you are the scene of god but it says there but when they saw him walking on the sea verse 49 they thought it was a ghost and cried out for they all saw him verse 50 and were terrified but immediately he spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Got into the boat, wind ceased, and they were shocked in a good way. God sees me. Come on, somebody say that today. Say somebody, somebody say, say, God sees me. Business may be struggling. I may have been diagnosed with something in my health. I may be an out-of-work professional. My relationship may be on the rocks, but God sees me. So let's go back to that story in Genesis 22. Genesis 22, verse 1 to 2, once again. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, he said, here I am. And he said, take your son, 
your only son Isaac, whom you love, go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. I want to tell you this morning, perhaps my first point for today is that an invitation to come up higher always involves sacrifice. There are certain things you will have to let go of and certain things you'll have to give to God. Some things you let go of because what used to be a blessing in past seasons has now become a burden. Some things you let go of because you took them on thinking it was going to be good for the journey, not realizing God had already made provisions for you. Some things you let go of because it prevents you from breaking through your ceilings so that what used to be your ceiling could become your new floor. And some things you just let go of because God said so. Wrong mindsets, old habits, decade-old offenses, the pride of knowing it all, compromising relationships, certain things God just simply doesn't have to make sense with you. He just simply has to tell you, let it go. It's time for you to move forward. See, moving on doesn't necessarily mean that you are moving forward. Don't forget. Some of you have moved on from decade-old issues, but you still have not moved forward. You know why? Maybe, just maybe, I'm not saying it's the absolute answer. I'm just saying maybe you just really have not yet let it go. You haven't really given it to God. But let me guarantee you this. Let me guarantee you this. No sacrifice initiated by God and done for God will ever lack significance. It may not make sense. It may not compute. But I trust Him. Because He knows where I'm going. He knows what I need. So let's go back to that story. Genesis 22 verse 3. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Second point this morning I want to share to you is that an invitation to come up higher always leads to much preparation. Abraham knew that he had received a word from God, and because he knew it was God, he wasted no time acting on it. Did you notice the way Scripture describes to us how Abraham started in that morning? It says, Abraham rose early. How many of you know that what you truly believe in will show in what you do and how you do it? There's no question Abraham needed to prepare for the three-day journey and for the sacrifice, but it says there, he rose up early. I mean, I don't know about you, but again, I'll just get real here. If that was me, I probably wouldn't be up so early because I'm going to be giving up my son. I love my kids, none of them. I'd be so happy to wake up so early in the morning. Whoa, today's the day. You know, like, I'm going to turn my alarm clock off, right? But you look at Abraham it says he rose up early. He was proceeding with such conviction, knowing he was going to give up his son. I don't think 
that's me. I mean, it even says that he cut the wood right there. You know, how many of you sometimes when you read things in Scripture, you get to ask questions, right? Or is, just, is it just me? Like, you know, like I was asking God, God, you know, why, why did he have to cut the wood right there? It's a three-day journey. That's a lot of wood to carry. Why not just probably pick it up on the way to the mountain, right? Well, aside from the symbolism later on, you know, that Isaac would be carrying this wood up the mountain, which is a picture of Jesus Christ going to Mount Calvary. Aside from the symbolism, right? Like types and shadows, we know that. But I was asking God, God, you know, like, wh why? why? Why does he have to carry the wood all the way from where he was starting from? You know, I, I don't know, like, probably God just impressing in my heart because he had to be sure that he had all he needed to carry out God's word. What if he went to the mountain and there was no wood on the mountain? What if he got to the place where he was supposed to go and he realized, oh, oh I can't build an altar. How am I going to do what God called me to do? So what did Abraham do? He prepared everything that was needed. Can you feel the conviction in Abraham's preparation? But why could Abraham make preparations with such conviction? Why? Why could he do that? Can I just ask, you know, Daryl to come up? Get on the keyboards. You know, wh why could Abraham make preparations with such conviction? You know why? Because he was fully convicted of his God. It says in Hebrews eleven seventeen to 19 in the Amplified. Hebrews eleven seventeen to 19. This is what it says in the Amplified. Verse 17. It says, By faith, Abraham, when he was tested. That's what we're talking about. That's where we are. It says, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, that is, as the testing of his faith was still in progress, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises of God was ready to sacrifice his only son of promise, to whom it was said, through Isaac, your descendants shall be called. Verse 19. Now, here's the point. For he considered that it was reasonable to believe... <laughs> Have you ever come to a point in your Christianity that when God asks you to do something that doesn't make sense, it's still reasonable to believe the character of your God? Abraham had arrived at that point that even Lord, you may take him from me, I am going to receive him back anyway. It says it was reasonable to believe that God was able to raise Isaac even from among the dead. That was why. That's why he could wake up so early. He was convicted of who his God was. But how could Abraham come to this conclusion? How could Abraham come to that conclusion that he could trust his God with so much? Let me tell you why. Because God had already proven himself to Abraham so many times in the past. And as we land the plane, let me just tell you how God had been faithful to Abraham again and again and again. It all starts in Genesis 12. Starts off with a word. Abraham, get out of your country. Go to the land that I will show you. I will bless you. That's a word of invitation from his God in Genesis 12. And then later on in the same chapter, an Egyptian pharaoh takes interest in his wife. And because he feared for his own life, he lied that she was his wife. 
He says, it's okay. She might get raped as long as I am safe. So you know what he did? He lied. No, he, she, she's not my wife. Go ahead. But you know what God did? God protected them both. And they left Egypt wealthier than ever. From the beginning of his journey, God was already blessing Abraham on the basis of what he did not deserve. Genesis 13, God blesses Abraham and his company so much that Lot, his nephew, had to decide, okay, I'm going to go here. Abraham says, first pick is yours, man. <laughs> because he has come to the conclusion, whatever man picks, God's going to bless me anyway. So he says, Lot, first pick is yours. So Abraham nonetheless gets a word from God again. He says, oh, you, you, you've chosen that part? Okay, okay. Abraham, watch this. Look at the land as far as your eyes can see. See all of that? That's yours and I'm going to bless your offspring. Genesis 14. Abraham and his 318 servants attacks the armies of four kings because they had kidnapped Lot and they recover all. And then the, 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 the priest of God comes over to Abraham and says, the reason why you're able to do all this is because you are blessed, Abraham. God has delivered your enemies into your hand. Genesis 15. God swears to himself an oath and performs the ultimate act of guaranteeing his promises a blood covenant by which by which abraham would be the beneficiary genesis 17 god reaffirms to abe and sarah that they will have a promised child in their old age sarah laughs but the promise remains Genesis 20 is a replay of Genesis 12. Abraham lies again about Sarah being his wife before a king who takes interest in her. God instead visits the king in his dream to protect Sarah and they leave the king with the king's sheep, with the king's oxen, with the king's servants, but they were unharmed and blessed with much more. And in Genesis 21, God finally, finally, tells them and shows them now it's time for Isaac to be born that's why you look at all of those accounts that's why we have to shift our mindset that our response to God's invitation has less to do with us trying to prove ourselves to God rather it is proof that we know God See, so many times in our preparation, don't get me wrong, yes, there is our part. But we got to do what we got to do. But our focus must shift from ourselves to Him. But we know our God. The focus of our preparation must shift from us to the God who is faithful. Because the proof of our faith being full is hinged on how God has proven Himself faithful and he has every invitation from God will lead you to a natural preparation and let me close this with my last point Genesis 22 verse 4 on the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar there Abraham said to his young men stay here with the donkey and I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you notice that the servants could only go so far Notice that? It says, Abraham tells his servants, you stay here. I and the boy will go up the mountain. It was only father and son who came up higher on the mountain. You know why? Because coming up higher 
is a place of sonship. There is a place that your sonship can take you that your servanthood cannot. I'm not saying it's bad to be a servant. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying if you want to go higher with God, it comes from a place of knowing you are a son. Coming up higher is a place reserved for those who know and believe they are sons. Why is that? Because sometimes to see the significance of your sacrifice, God will have to go beyond what makes sense. See, it did not make sense to sacrifice Isaac. Did not make sense. But you know what sonship does? Sonship puts rest above reason. Isaac didn't struggle. Scripture doesn't record it. He allowed himself to be bound and laid on the altar. He trusted and rested in the knowing how loved he is by his father. All will be well. So let me close this. In Genesis 22 verse 6, it says, And Abraham took the word the wood of the burnt offering, laid it on Isaac his son, took in his hand the fire and the knife, so they went both of them out together. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father. And he said, Here I am, my son. He said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went both of them together. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order, bound Isaac his son, laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand, took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. In that place of sonship, in that place of father and son coming up higher, you realize there is a sacrifice, yes, you ought to make. But God doesn't stop there. There is also a sacrifice you ought to receive. The significance of what you give up for God the significance of your sacrifice. Are you ready for this? Don't miss this. The significance of your sacrifice is that it positions you to see more of God's heart for you and the wonders of what God's hands can do. The same place that God first invited man to come up higher would be the same place a couple of thousand years later. In fact, scholars say only 200 or 300 meters away. Same place through which God 
would show the significance of His sacrifice through Jesus Christ. The same place that Jesus would die on the cross is the same place that God first invited man to come up higher. As if to tell you, you can never out-sacrifice me. Anything you give up for me, I can always give back to you much more. Nothing is worth more than the sacrifice of my son. That is the significance of coming up higher. That is the significance of you, of your sacrifice, of your preparations. Because today and this year, God wants you to see more of His Son. So if you are with us today and you say, I don't know Jesus like that. I want to tell you today, today I want to extend an invitation to you. An invitation to receive this beautiful Lord and Savior. To receive that love that gave Himself for you 2,000 years ago. Now, all you got to do, the Bible says, is to confess with your mouth. Believe with your heart that Jesus is Lord and that God, God raised Him from the dead. And salvation is yours. So today, I want to extend that invitation to you wherever you may be, on-site or online. Today, as we say this prayer, say it with me, but with all your heart. And congregation, as an encouragement to those who might be doing this for the first time, let's say it all together. Repeat this after me. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that 2,000 years ago, you gave yourself up for me. Jesus, I believe that you died and you rose again. Jesus, I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you that I'm washed. Thank you that I'm forgiven. Thank you that I'm brand new. From this day on, I am yours and you are mine. In Jesus' name. Amen. If that's the first time that you said that prayer, comment in the comment section, say, it's my first time today. Or if you are here on site, if you said that prayer for the first time with all your heart, out there, as you exit to your right, there's a, our next steps table. Our leaders would love to be able to connect with you, get to know you more, and guide you into what's next in this Christian walk. Well, I pray in life that you have received something today from the Lord. And I pray that this has blessed you. Thank you for joining us today. We believe that God's powerful word can bring a change in your situation and transform your life. So we encourage you to share this message to your family and friends so they too can know of the new life that God has for them. If you prayed to receive Jesus for the first time or was simply blessed by this message, we invite you to connect with us. Follow us on Facebook at newlife.ph, Instagram at newlife underscore ph, and subscribe to our YouTube channel, New Life Media PH. You can also email us at connect at newlife.ph. We will be so glad to hear from you. To support the ministry, please visit newlife.ph slash alabang slash give. Your generosity is greatly appreciated. God bless you.